Rugby League Back Chat is sponsored by TotalRL.com. Hello, welcome to this week's edition of Rugby League Back Chat. Relegation D-Day is almost upon us and that's what we'll be talking about, plus much more with this week's panel. Let me introduce you to, first and foremost, London advocate Ron Knox, Newcastle funders Mick Hogan and Rugby League guru <laughs> Damien Irvine. Gents, welcome. Thanks, man. D-Day is almost upon us. Friday the 13th, it's going to be lucky for three, unlucky for one. Ron, I'm going to come to you first. The London Broncos, they've got to the final day with their destiny in their own hands. Did you ever, ever foresee that being realistic for the Broncos this year? Yes, but not obviously completely um, optimistic. Um, it's been a roller coaster ride. Every single fan has loved every single minute of this season. It's has surpassed all our expectations. But what's been particularly pleasing, London have been in Super League for 20 of 24 seasons, but this season they've really, really captured the imagination and, and the, the um, sort of respect of other fans in the game. And that's been such fantastic things to, to, to see. And we're all very proud of the team, but obviously we're proud of the way the club has been recognised throughout Super League as well. Damien, we spoke a lot about London on this show mm. and how they keep defying the odds and what it would mean if they were to defy the odds. But we are we can talk about this realistically now because they are one win away against one of the teams at the bottom two. Are they going to win? The history of when they must win a game, they win. Are they mm. going to do it one more time? I think they will on Friday. Having said that, though, we're talking about they're playing a side in Wakefield who have huge admiration, I think, in the rugby league community, as do London, for doing things the way we like to see our clubs do it and supporters like to do it. They, they, they fight with what they've got, their budget. Um, they just get on with it through adversity. Wakefield always seem to do enough, always, and they have done. They, they've been written off at various times this season through their large injury toll. In other years, they've been seen as relegation fodder. They always fight. They're resilient, mm -hmm. as are London. So it's a, it's an incredible clash for that for that reason. Um, I just think the injury toll of Wakefield after the season in the last few weeks um, might see with London enough, uh, which I, I want to see it because I want the other sides there to have to win and to to have to come up with a result. It's brilliant, and it was brilliant. I think in the rugby league, you know, they do get some some bricks thrown at them. Um, the way that on results on the weekend uh, so quickly. The games were all moved to Friday night time slots. That's good relationship with the broadcasters. It's good management. It's good relationship with the clubs. It was communicated really quickly, I thought, on the weekend. There was no, let's see on Monday what we can do. It was straight out there. The games are moved to all Friday night as they should be. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think London can do it. Um, and I fear, I, I fear for Huddersfield. Fear for I, Huddersfield. I, I do, yeah. I think they've got probably the toughest game. Um, to play against the Catalans with, without anything to play for um, so much. And uh, with results, with, with a, a London win, um, Huddersfield will be sweating this week. I think more so than Wakefield. I think Wakefield, um, if they can't win on Friday night, I think the other two games may go in their favour and, and keep them safe. Well, yeah. well, we'll go on to them, on to the other teams in a minute. Mick, I just want to ask you, from a Championship League One perspective, London have gone in as a Championship team, not 
gone in with any expectations, but have shown that not only can they win games, but they can play a good brand of rugby in doing so. What have the Broncos done this year, regardless of what happens on Friday, for the perception of the championship and, and life outside of Super League? I think they've given the game a, a, a massive shot in the arm. And it's not just London. You look at York finishing mm. third in, in the championship after getting promoted last year. Uh, I think what it shows is that recruitment is absolutely key, you know, particularly when you perhaps don't have the budgets that some of the other clubs do have. Mm. So you get your recruitment right, you get your coaching right, and from that, your culture comes, and that can carry you so far. Mm-hmm. So one, one of the issues around that, Mick, is that you should not underestimate how difficult it is to make that transition from League One to Championship, but in particular from Championship to Super League. You've got almost no time to get your recruitment right for Super League. During the Super League season, players don't want to join you next season because you can't guarantee them Super League football. And worse than that, and we've found this so frustratingly from a fan's point of view, other people want to buy your best players for next season. So you've got all these, you've got this triple whammy of difficulties. So for London to achieve what they've done this season is just an amazing accomplishment. Well, Ron, let me put this, uh, it's a bit of a cynical and a bit of a negative view, I know, but as you mentioned, it's no secret that London are losing a lot of their star players, as many as seven, eight, think are moving to Salford, Wakefield, wherever else, OKR potentially, depending on what happens on Friday. If London stay up, is it almost harder next year for them to stay up again because they're losing all the players that got them up and the players that have then kept them up? Not as hard as you might think. But why is that then? Because they've got a production line of young talent mm-hmm. coming through, which is second to none, the best in the club's history. One of the main reasons why the current team are doing so well is not the imported players, although there's been some judicious signings like Luke Yates, who's been amazing all season. Uh, great leaders like Jay Pitts. But the, the, the heart and soul of the club is its young players. London lads, mm-hmm. proud to wear the shirt, want to do well for the club. And there's a whole production line behind them as well, mm-hmm. who are just waiting, once they reach sort of 19, 20, just waiting for that opportunity to play in Super League. And all of them are good enough. So much so, we're starting to see the likes of Wigan trying to poach some of the better ones as well. Absolutely, Which is so frustrating. In fact, uh, someone like Tony Ray has actually come out and said, if you want a strong London in Super League, there's got to be some protectionism to stop this coming through. Whether that'll happen or not, I don't know. I don't know if you could do that for favouritism reasons, though, could you? Basically, like You could have a plan to say that the promoted club gets some kind of support mechanisms which allows it to thrive in a very competitive environment. Maybe. And maybe we're not giving London enough credit, Ron, there. I, I think that's always been the case for London. If they've had a star player or a star turn, they have been picked up and come back up north. Not, not, not at the academy level. Though. Not a, at academy level, but I think what they've built there very nicely in, in what they're doing, they're, they're an isolated club. Now they're in the big capital, not dissimilar to Melbourne Storm when they were a pioneering club. And they've built a nice culture there where, where to, to an extent, Players can come through that system. They become a Broncos player, 
and they, they extol the virtues of that. The culture is strong. They're improving every player that goes there. So I think they've found a way ab around that poaching a little bit by just creating a, a, a strong club spirit mm -hmm. in what they're doing. They've shown good patience. They've not tried to buy the farm this year and stay at Super League at all costs. Yeah. They've done it in, in a yeah. step way. If they do come back down to the championship, they'll be back up again soon because they're not. it's not this slash and burn policy, um, no, which no. is not short-sighted. Mick, just a, a quick question. As we've mentioned, look, it's well. It's been well documented. Jordan Abdul, Hulk KR, Jay Pitts, Alex Walker, Wakefield. I'm, I think I'm missing someone there as well who might be going to one of those bottom three clubs. But will London have spoke to those players this week or in the build-up to this week and said, if we stay up, don't worry, you'll be staying here? Because obviously that it must be very conflicting, a very difficult position for those guys to be in. Where I mean, Jay Pitts scored the winner against Hulk KR. If he does the same against Wakefield, he could be sending his future employers down, yeah. potentially. I think that's one of the negatives of, uh, of a system where you have promotion and relegation. There's, there's lots of positives for promotion and relegation, but that's one of the negatives, is that you, know, you, you get players placed in situations where, in theory, there could be a conflict of interest. There never is for players. There never, ever is. They go out on the field and they give their all for that team on that Absolutely. week. And I've never, ever known a player not do that. But, but I think that's one of the challenges that he's got. You know, again, if you're more successful, perhaps than than you, you know, people thought you would be, then you're going to get your players looked at. But for London or for any other team, if you want to keep your star players, mm -hmm. you've got plenty of time to talk to them. Now, if either that player really wants to go, or you don't have the budget to meet it, that's another matter. Mm -hmm. But every club has had plenty enough time this year to hang on to the players it wants to. Right. Let's just move this on. Damien thinks Huddersfield's going down. Ron, who do you think's going down? Hawkinson Rovers. I'm, I'm going to go with Huddersfield as well. I, 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 I truly believe that London will win because they've got a thing. It's a cliche, I know, but it's this time of year, momentum is absolutely key. And London, out of all four of them, seem to have that momentum. So we all agree that London are winning because you don't think London are going down. So let's go through the other clubs. We'll start with Hull KR. Damien, they've had three chances against the teams at the bottom to win at home and sort themselves out. They've lost every single time. If they lose to Salford on Friday, which you'd assume they would the way Salford are playing, but you never know, rugby league's a funny game, and they were to go down, could they have any excuse whatsoever? No. No, they haven't got an excuse. Um, the club, there's something not quite right at the club for, for a few months now. Um, they've got some, some of the best coaching staff in the world there, you know, and. Um, the recruitment, they seem to get players they want and they do recruit well. Um, there is just that, they, there's a failure to take opportunity at crucial times, almost the opposite to a Wakefield or a, or a London, as we yeah. talked about earlier. Um, you look at a Salford uh, this season, there is absolutely no reason uh, why, a demonstrable reason why Salford should have the year they've had v KR when we look at roster, yeah, resources, yeah. coach, etc. So that's mm -hmm. one example. So, no, I think sometimes, and, and KR, they're a mature club. I mean, they'd say, I think they would say, you know, it's in our hands. I don't think they're one to point fingers and to blame. Um, I think they'll be disappointed in the season they've had, mm -hmm. and rightly so, and, and their fans should be. Um, you know, coming into this, this Friday night, um, I don't think they at all expected to be here. You, you mentioned recruitment. Come to you in a minute, Ron. Make the, the recruitment for next year, the recruiting, excusing Sean Kenny Dowell, who's reportedly on his way. They've recruited a, a lot of young lads. Ethan Ryan, Nick Rosefall and Greg Minnick, and all linked with the club. Will Mara, we had on the show last week. 
they got rid of a lot of old players during the season and seemingly at the end of the season. They're going for a younger squad. Is that something that maybe has been their downfall in terms of recruitment, recruiting too old, salaries are more inflated because they're at the end of the career, that's how it naturally works? Is that something they've done wrong, maybe? I, th I think every club's striving to get the balance. You, you can't go with entirely young lads mm -hmm. uh, because at the crucial points, you'll, you'll lack that leadership. For me, be it any, any club in any sport, if you want long-term success, mm -hmm you have to develop your own players because with that you get the culture coming through mm -hmm. you get a familiarity between those players playing together from sort of the 16s through the 18s all the way through the first grade now you can't have all that you can't have all all sort of 30 plus players mm -hmm. that you've bought in because you might get very very short-term success with that it's about getting the blend right and and the blend is is perhaps you know there's there's not one model We'll, no. we'll do it. I think that's the beauty of sport. With, as well. with the older players, particularly imports, um, you pay a premium. And Sean Kenny Dow is a massive risk in terms of how much you've got to spend yeah. on, a, mm -hmm. on a yeah. great player, fantastic player with a mag magnificent pedigree. But you, you're not paying regular centres or wingers' wages there for him. They you see that with Josh Drinkwater this year, maybe? Don't think he's really hit expectation, <laughs> has he? You pay me a premium, and I know what it costs to get players on a plane, get them over here relocated mm -hmm. and contracted to get them away from a Queensland Cup or yeah. a lower league environment in Australia. Big, big risk. Josh Drinkwater is an interesting example of two different strategies. Uh, Hulkinson Rovers originally signed Morgan Smith. Mm -hmm. And then when Josh Drinkwater became available, they decided to go with him, even though he cost about six times more. And Morgan Smith went to London. Done very well. I did watch Morgan Smith develop as a player right throughout the season. Unfortunately, he's got a shoulder injury at the moment, but he will now be controlling London's pack mm -hmm. for the next few years to come. Outstanding talent. Josh Drinkwater is on his way from Hulkinson Rovers. Mm -hmm. That shows you the two different strategies involved. Yeah. And one of the issues Hull KR have, and one of the reasons why they struggle regularly, in my view, is that they don't have a production line. They don't have young lads proud to wear the whole shirt, want to do well for their club. They don't have them, and that's their issue. Let's move on to Huddersfield, because you can't accuse them of that. They have got a lot of young lads playing in their team. The senior twins have played most of the year. Uh, Ollie Russell's been playing. There's been Matty English. There's, there's been a lot. Cruz Lehman came through there. There's, there's loads. But they've, they've not been great, have they, Damien? Um, <laughs> I saw him on Friday, poor, against admittedly a very good St. Helens team. What, what you say they're going to go down, what, what's your thinking behind that? I think it's horses for courses there at Huddersfield, and I don't think the coach was the right selection for mm. what they had to do. Um, they were coming back uh, great in terms of greatly in terms of expense and budget, and they've had to form a you know a squad and get the best out of them. Um, I think a, an up and coming English coach um, was ripe for that club at the time. They made Simon's appointment. Um, he's been thrown in a high pressure situation there um, on recommendations and things where you know his head coaching experience is not massive in terms of getting out of the tough mm -hmm. tough periods. Um, mm. Head coaches, it's, it's, head coaches are, are selected and recruited generally on their good bits. Oh, he's had eight in the trot, he's winning well, he's won a minor premiership. That I'd recruit head coaches on the bad bits when they're under pressure, what they've done to get out of tough situations. And I just think, I don't know if it's been the best fit there. I think um, uh, I, I do worry about where the, where the club's going there. It, it's lost a lot of... Um, a lot of structure, a lot of a lot of strength around its recruitment that I just don't know how that's going to turn around. Uh, if they can stay up somehow this year, they've got an opportunity to do that next year, but they've lost their way, Huddersfield, in my view. 
Do, what, do Aussie coaches understand the relegation battle? They have no <coughs> experience of it, do they? Oh, they don't, but don't worry. The pressure, they understand the pressure. Yeah. I mean, they understand the pressure. You know, the, the games, we talked about this Friday night, we've talked about Huddersfield. At the back end of the season, just coming into the finals time in Australia, you get some really weird results. Mm -hmm. And generally, it comes down in our game of rugby league, collision sport, making metres, looking for the one percentage plays. It generally gets down to who really desperately wants it more. I'll tell you what, let's pick up on that after a short break because we have run out of time on this first part. We'll be right back to speak more about relegation and the super Salford Reds who are on the way to the playoffs. We'll be right back. Welcome back to this week's Rugby League Back Chat. Don't forget, you can join the conversation too on Twitter at RL Back Chat. Before the break, Damien, we were talking about pressure and handling it. So do we think Huddersfield's young squad can handle Friday? Playing a Catalan team that, are, let's be honest, have been horrific for a while now, but yeah. there's still expectation. Can they handle it? Catalan are a massive unknown side whenever you play them. Yeah. Um, and, and they can um, be very, very dangerous when they're on. And they're a team without pressure that can be on. So um, Huddersfield, that's why I fear that they're the most um, in the most danger this Friday night. I think the occasion will affect them more mm -hmm. than others. Um, rugby league teams, as we touched on beforehand, when it's desperate, when you have to find a way, they play better. Mm -hmm. I think that potential second chance from Wakefield might just see them not quite as desperate as London on Friday night. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah... I, that's the reason, and I do think that that pressure, um, the do or die, the arsenal, the you know the ammunition that they've got, uh, Huddersfield just might find them a little bit lax. KR probably under desperation stakes with that massive, brilliant support they've got behind them in in Hull and that. I think they just know how to street battle a little bit more than the Huddersfield squad. That's what I base it on. And Mick, you you said that you thought Huddersfield may go down as well. How damaging would it be for them? It'd be damaging for any club if they went down, but for them in particular. Not only the fact they've got a very young squad in the building for the future, but attendances and everything else. So it, it will be damaging. You know, we're going through it with our our sister rugby union club, the Falcons, at the minute, and, and you know it does affect you commercially and off the field. But I think the one positive any club can take from it, and what we're certainly doing at, on on the rugby union side, is it does give you the chance to to blood a lot of your youngsters. And Huddersfield have got a good production line coming through. You know, we played them at the weekend academy level and we were comprehensively beaten and we've been a lot closer to most of the teams this year than we got with with Huddersfield so mm -hmm. I think they've got a I think they've got a bright future on the field and if there was one positive if they did go down would it would it sort of fast track the development of those young players mm -hmm. I, I think potentially yeah but look ask the supporters ask the players they're not going to want to go down they'd rather cut the teeth in Super League and and, and find a way that way well let's move on to Wakefield Ron why are Wakefield in this position some were tipping them to finish in the five the start of the year. So how have they ended up is still not being safe going into the final round? It's a hard question to really answer. They, they blame injuries, but all sides have injuries, so I don't think you can just look at that. How does, uh, Wakefield played London in the first match of the season and were comprehensively beaten yeah. uh, in a match they confidently expected to win. And maybe that just showed some signs of fragility in the team or overconfidence or what else it might be. We know they're a dangerous side, but they're not quite the sum of their parts yet, are they? They somehow, you know, there's just something lacking in the side that, uh, you know, a, a really good team uh, or a team that's playing together can exploit. To be fair to them on the injury front, they've had 
no Tom Johnston. Bill Tupu's missed most of the year. Um, I've definitely missed... David Fafita. David Fafita's been out for a while. Matty Ashurst has missed about a third of the season. Yeah. These are guys are in the dream team last year, Damien. So, excuse or not, the question that I have for you, when you get injuries, do you have to look at why you're getting injuries rather than think, oh, we've just been unlucky with injuries? Because they do seem to get a lot, Wakefield. Definitely. Um, what I would say is, though, we talked about Wakefield being a, a club that's doing it right. They've not got a huge squad at the start of the year. Mm. Um, if ever a club was going to be um, in danger from from some serious injury, it was it was them. I don't know that is is an excuse. They don't really use it as an excuse, but it's going to affect a small squad losing four or five mm -hmm. uh, starters from a dream team last year. That's a fundamental spine you, you've lost mm. there. Um, injury management, rehabilitation. Um, soft tissue mitigation of injury is on the whole in our sport at the moment not good enough mm -hmm. um, it's not paid enough heed from those the money people who are, who are wanting to invest in the club um, where you invest your budget um, if you're going to risk an injury prone player uh, or a star player at 50 grand 60 70 grand one of 24 in your squad why on earth wouldn't you invest 50 or 70 grand on two really good soft tissue uh, mm -hmm. you know, rehabilitation experts, of which there are a huge amount in this country, of which our sports medicine in this country is, is fantastic. So many great football and other sporting sports rehabilitators love rugby league. Yeah. They'd love to be involved. I, I think your point's well made, Matt. I do think, and I'm not specifically targeting Wakefield here, but by by definition and i had the issue at cronulla when you are limited on budget when you're trying to just get by often it's seen as a luxury mm -hmm. being able to get better rehabilitation people in and soft tissue management uh, structures to me we've got to flip that on its head and that should be the number one thing you put with a small squad first and foremost yeah. get that protection insurance around them if we didn't have so much uh, to discuss today i'd actually make a sim similar point for media and marketing and now it's seen as a luxury but that's sure. a <laughs> that's a conversation for another day right could relegation i want to go to the top don't think we need to talk about saints or really anyone other than salford seven wins on the bounce make i think that's the first time since the 70s that salford have done that what a phenomenal achievement it's been by Ian Watson on his side. How have they done it? Just, it probably comes back to the culture and, and, and the right recruitment, mm -hmm. you know, that we mentioned earlier. Um, sometimes you just get on a roll and, you, and the confidence hits high. You've got to get lucky with injuries, you always do, but it just seems to have come together for them. And uh, I don't know, you, 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 you know, if you said would Salford get to the grand final, I think most people would probably say no. But I, I could actually see it happening. I could, I could see it because you're coming into the playoffs with all that momentum behind you, yeah, with a squad that's used to playing together week in week out. He's knowing each other. When they're not chopping and changing, it doesn't seem too much. They probably can't because they don't have a big squad. So mm -hmm. they could go all the way. They really could. This is a thing, Damien. I'll come to you because you were talking about the soft tissue. Yeah. Salford had no injuries all year. Now that's for me not luck. It's there's something about that. It's it's you, you nailed it right on the head there. It's not luck. People go, oh, you've had luck with injury. Now it's it's just not in this modern age. It's about as soon as walking off that pitch, what you're doing. About thinking about protecting and and, and building and strengthening. It's about pre seasons. Um, I don't know if Wakefield did this year or not, but they they have a penchant for going off to a warm climate 
in a pre-season camp in, in, in January or, or December. I don't get that. I don't get it on so many levels to come back and play January, February in, in drizzle <laughs> yeah, at yeah. three degrees <laughs> yeah. and, and the cost associated with those camps. So I'm not a fan. I don't know what Salford did in preparation. But what I would say is Salford were a club that many thought off-field were, were a circus 18 months, two years ago in terms of having no, no money behind them, having to dig out of a hole that was left from previous management. Rosler there, the chairman, Andy Rosler, I think, is it? Brilliant job. Yeah. What a job he's done to get it together. He's lived within the means and, and just got it got it working. Ian Watson keeps rising to the top, keeps impressing in everything that he does as a recruiter and a coach. And recruitment, you were so right there, Mick. You know, I have a I'm a big supporter of the English game and I'm not a big fan of importing Aussies. I'm not for all the reasons we talked about mm -hmm. earlier. The costs, the bigger risks and all of this. I was uncertain when they when they got Jack Hastings to come over. I really was, and I said it. I went on record. Wow to be proven wrong. Probably one of the best imports in, in recent memory yeah. of any club. Yeah. He was handpicked. He came here. Credit to himself. Um, people were looking for him to be that, that half that came over, had a good time and mm -hmm. was ill-disciplined or whatever. Total opposite what he's done to that club in building a culture and around this, the social aspect yeah. of it, this community and fans. So it's just ticking all the boxes for Salford against against all odds and expectations, full credit. Yeah, he, he's the catalyst for Salford. Salford are the best team London have played all season. They've just been superb every single time played them. But Jackson Hastings is the catalyst. It's interesting Tui Lola here because he looks a different player for Salford, doesn't he? He's got him running. And they, 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 running. they've covered the loss of Louis almost, you know, yeah. without, you know, changing anything. Can they win the grand final, though? They can. Will uh, they? I don't think so. Uh, I just think that big match experience might count against them in, in a, a real pressure big match. Mm -hmm. We bet, well, we best, we best bring the up this interesting question is, can who, St. Helens well, win the grand final? Well, this will be the grand final, question. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know you're getting towards the end of the season because you start mentioning that Wigan are coming into form. I mean, yeah. 11 <laughs> from 12. It, they look like they could do it again, don't they, Mick? They do, yeah. Um, they're my tip to win it. Uh, yeah. I, th I think, out of all the teams, I think Saints losing in the Challenge Cup final... I think it's going to be a huge mental burden because as, if they get to the grand final, it's just going to be levelled out in the week leading up to it. Everybody's going to be talking about, will they choke again? Mm. I think Warrington have peaked in the season. I think they peaked several weeks, probably a month and a half before the, the, the Challenge yeah. Cup final. Managed to sort of get the band back together for one more go at the Challenge Cup final. I'm not saying they've given up, but they've had their season highlights. Um, I think whoever finishes fifth will go out in the first round. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it should be Saints in the final. And I think they'll play either Wigan or Salford. And I think Wigan will do it. I think Wigan will go and win, but I would love Salford to get there. Right, let's move this on. It's come out in the press this week that the RFL are investigating a potential manipulation of the head concussion rules. Um, the rule is, to summarise, you, you guys will know, if you get a head injury assessment, you go off, you get assessed, you get a free interchange in that time. If you come back on and replace that play, it's a free sub. The suggestion is, the accusation is that Clubs are calling for head knocks. Players are going off getting effectively a 15-minute rest, then could be back on. There is there is a lot of coaches that have expressed concerns about this. Damien, I'll come to you first. What what do you make of this story? Is is it something that is obvious? 
has been happening or were you surprised? There's an old saying, as soon as you put a, a rule in rugby league, the first thing the coaching staff will do Monday morning is try and work out a way around that rule. Mm. <laughs> Melbourne did it successfully to be one of the greatest rugby yeah. league clubs of all time. On and, and not just Melbourne, I'm not targeting them mm. because every coach who knows their soul has a wrestle coach, even though wrestle coaches weren't supposed to be in the game because wrestle was supposed to yep. be banned, etc. So, look, would I would I think that there's no manipulation or taking advantage of that rule? I think there is certainly in the game. Um, it's such a sensitive issue because the sensitivity around head concussions at the moment is massive. Yep. And rightly so. It's about time we woke up and smelled mm. the roses there because for too long, um, uh, early set on early onset dementias and, and other issues around uh, Parkinson's, etc., has been you know this demonstrable um, research in this from the states come out of it. So we're right to be focused on it. Mm. Um, I think the rules open for ambiguity because um, is a head cut automatically a concussion? Um, there was an incident away at York. Uh, the Bulls had a had 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 a had a concern John Keir did where a player had gone off for York late in the game um, and came back on with, with a concussion rule to get it or to get an extra interchange and there was a head knock or a, a, is, is a broken nose or concussion. Yeah. The, the only real way to solve it would be independent medical experts at every ground. We don't have the resources in our game to do that just yet, I, I don't no, believe. But the, there's loads of manipulation already, Damien, isn't there? You see... Uh, blood capsules yeah. came out in the 80s to stop yeah. the blood being rule. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, it's going to happen. Goal yeah. line dropouts, one player goes down, the medical staff come on, yeah. the referee is forced to stop the game. But that was I was under the impression that that rule, if someone went down after it went for a goal line dropout and they were fit to continue, they were supposed to go off until the team got the ball back yeah i haven't seen that happen once this year no so that no. rule's obviously been as soon as the doctor somewhere. comes on the field mm -hmm. who's part of the coaching staff very often the game stops we've got a culture and a spirit in this game of not laying down of not diving mm -hmm. right yeah. it, it's fundamental to rugby league and i just think for the sake of potential head injury we have to err always on the benefit of the doubt sure. definitely always and and we have to trust and hope that the people in our game that uphold that non-diving it's a, it's a working men's sport and women's sport that we, 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 we do it right. I think we've got to rely on that but a surely, bit. But surely the suggestion is, if they're investigating it and clubs think that it's being manipulated, that clubs are upholding that. I haven't got the data. I'm trying to get yeah. hold of the data. But I would... Do they, do they specifically name a game or something, did I they? Or just, it, yeah. it was someone who didn't want to go into specifics. Right. I didn't want that info out there. But I think if you found the data, it's fair to say that a lot of head concussions happen between the 18 minute and the 25, 26 went forward to come into the end of the stints. Mm. So look, if this is proven to be true that they are manipulating, then we've got a problem, haven't we? Because we aren't holding those standards that you mentioned. If, if you go hard on it though and say, if you're removed for a concussion, you can't come back on. What we get then is we get players refusing okay, to admit correct. an issue. So yes. Mick, where's the balance? The, the balance is uh, is making sure you've got fully independent uh, medical assessment, which mm -hmm. which they have in the rugby union premiership, and the player is not allowed back on until the independent assessor is, is happy. Mm -hmm. And maybe it is that the the time between the initial assessment and being allowed back on is is stretched as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe that goes to twenty even thirty minutes. Now, you start to then get into what Amy said, where you, you you'll get players, you know pretending they're okay. But if you've got that independent medical advice and use of cameras to, to spot incidents when they've happened on the field, you, you will negate it. Mm -hmm. But you've always got to wear on the side of caution. If that means one or two players or one or two clubs are getting the extra substitution here and there, then 
as much as I don't agree with it, you have to go with it because the game does not need a player sure. suffering a catastrophic injury because you know we we yeah. put in place a set of rules or a set of conditions yeah. that that meant he stayed. Yeah, we rely on off. the character of the game to be better than that. I think yeah. in general. Yeah, we, I mean, um, and it's right, isn't it? Wrong. Mm. The player welfare is imperative. Of it's course. been fantastic what we've done in recent times. You can't argue it's with that, right? You only have to look at players in a collision or in an injury where they a, a twist of a leg or something. It's the opposition tackler more often than not, the hand straight up, there's yeah. something not right in protecting yeah. their fellow professionals. Yeah. Let's is, just rely on that. Is this right. not well, I'm going to run, I'm going to have to stop you yeah, because right. we uh, have to get to a break. <laughs> Final part of the show coming up. We'll be speaking Bradford, Newcastle and the playoffs. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Rugby League back chat from the LD Nutrition Stadium in Featherstone. One team in Featherstone's league in the championship is Bradford, who had a fantastic win at the end of the season, beating poor, poor Rochdale. They'll be uh, happy to be in League One. But what does the future hold for the Bulls? Damien, you have a slightly different approach on this to us because you've been in the club, you've seen things and what have you. What, what is going on at Bradford? at this moment in time, in your opinion. How long is this show? Um, <laughs> we've, got, we've got 15 and a half minutes left. I think the, the question is, it's really, there is uncertainty. There is uncertainty at the club and um, that's been evident. It's been evident for all to see uh, in the last month particularly. Um, I think it's disappointing that given everything the club's been through for a decade, the supporters mainly, when I say the club, and the staff of the club, um, we're at again in a situation um, where there's a triumvirate, a tripartite sort of support behind the club and there's, a, there's an ownership of the club. There's the RFL who are the, the ownership of the ground, uh, the, the lease of the ground, and there's Bradford City Council who are very intertwined in the success of the club. Um, a new owner for three years now, just like the last one and the last one and the last one, and yet still we've got one of the greatest brands in rugby league with truest really strong rugby league. I mean, you know, you can, you can say we're going to toss a coin in the centre of the circle and 3,000 will turn up. It's brilliant. Yet we still haven't solved that. The game has not solved and, and, and the club can't sit here to this day and say what exactly the future is. Whether the club has moved to Dewsbury for a year or two years or three. Andrew Chalmers said it might be longer than, than, than the 12 months. Um, the RFL don't want the club to move there, they've made that obvious by restricting it to a year's uh, approvals. Um, to answer your question, Matt, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for the club. Um, I think the club has tried to do it right, um, theoretically right, in terms of maintaining women's team, uh, big academy sides and, and reserve grade sides, um, and obviously the first grade squad, which is large. Mm -hmm. um, I think they've done it that way, hoping for a Super League return. I know that reserve grade and mandatory reserve grade and things are coming in as, so they've done all that right. Whether that, in trying to be altruistic and doing that right, whether they've batted above their average in, in terms of not having enough money to pay for that, um, I don't know, but I'd like to have seen it maybe just walk first, yeah. get things solid and, and, and then take that next step. But on one hand, you've got the game saying, we need reserve grade, we need to do all this. We need junior development, which, to be all fair to Andrew Chalmers and the Bulls, they, they have invested yeah, in that. For sure. They haven't neglected yeah. that on behalf of the greater game, mm -hmm. yet on the doorstep, obviously bills haven't been able to be paid because the costs of living where they've lived have been too much. It's a tough one. 
I've got I've got some questions that haven't been answered yet. Now I know that you, you you're not a part of the Bulls anymore, but mm. you you probably know more than we do. Like, I, I don't know if you can answer these questions. Andrew Chalmers said there was a two to four year plan to get back to Bradford. Do we have any idea what the outline of that plan is? Any idea at all? I can only go on Andrew's column this week um, where he wrote where, where he he doesn't have a firm plan there. It doesn't seem to be. Um, he's talked to some developers by the looks about potential sites. Um, but he, he's put a proposal there which I I believe in. And that is that I think for, for Oddsall site or another community site with council and RFL support mm -hmm. to finally get get a place in a future in Bradford, it needs to be a supporter trust or community trust owned site. Can I just pick up on something you said there? I haven't read Andrew's columns, you have to tell me, but you said that Andrew said um, they've looked at potential sites. When it was first announced we were going to Dewsbury, he said that the RFL were aware of a site. So is there not a site in place at the minute? And the other question, to follow up on that, does anyone know how this is going to be funded? Yeah. I don't know the answer to your first question, mate. I wasn't privy to those those discussions and um, who knew what or, or knows what, I, I don't know. Um, in terms of funding, um, I put a proposal through it around Christmas time. The only way funding can happen for either an Oddsall upgrade or replacement stadium on Oddsall is, is that council need to gift land. Mm -hmm. The RFL need out of their investment of the leasehold, they invested three quarters of a million, I think it was, of gain money into that. So they need a way out of that. And the Bulls need to be able to afford to play there, mm -hmm. whatever the Bulls look like. So for that to happen, I'm, I'm firm, but because of the history, long before Andrew Chalmers, I don't believe council, the RFL, will assist or gift anything to a private owner of the Bulls. Doesn't matter if it's, if it's Andrew Chalmers or Donald Trump or, 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 or Her Majesty the Queen, it doesn't matter. Because I think that's been done and dusted. And, and community funds and community assets should be in trust possession. Mm -hmm. So I think the only way to fund it would be to put it in a trust model. Um, we had a memorandum of understanding with the RFL back in, in around Christmas time, which I was going to lead, but it, it, it fell apart, um, to go to market on a community trust stadium with joint venture partners mm -hmm. and see who will fund it, who will get a model here. What council can do then is gift other portions of land which might not have any other use to potential commercial or brown. So that's the only way it can be funded. Right, the, fi the final question. It's been well documented that Andrew doesn't think they can afford to play out. I think everyone generally agrees. But they start the season with the second highest budget in the championship. As the year's gone on, I'm sure Leo will have overtaken the spending, other clubs will have done too. But they're spending a lot more money than a lot of clubs at that level are, certainly more than York, who they came up with. If they can't afford to play at Oddsall, why did they have such a lofty playing budget? Look, again, I, I can only answer my, my perception yeah, of that, I, Matt. I, and yeah, I think, that's your opinion, Anna. I think, um, like I said earlier, I think there was a genuine effort and attempt to build the right structure of a rugby league club. Mm -hmm. um, the Bulls have undoubtedly invested heavily in, in unattractive areas of the game commercially. Which are cost centres as opposed to revenue centres. Yeah. By that, I say reserve grade. I say under 19s. Yeah. I say under 17s. I say women's rugby league yeah, at this stage. Sure. So, majority of that squad and all that was it was invested in reserve grade, um, and, and the academy. But they still had the biggest squad in the UK at the start of the season. In their first team, you say? Yeah. 
yeah. believe so. Well, uh, see, that, that has to be a first-ever reserve, reserve grade side. As well. okay. I think if you took yeah. out that reserve grade side, you, you might see it, it shrink down the size yeah. of that okay. squad. No, that's fair. Look, I think if you were to sit here and just say, was, was everything perfect, no one is. And yeah. I, I, I don't know um, that it's been perfect. But I think, um, yeah, perhaps trying, as I said before, trying to run before you could walk it. You know, this was a club out of severe um, stress financially and, and, and se severe problems historically. Um, to try and overnight um, operate a massive structure of all this development and all that again. This is a structure which failed four times before. Mm -hmm. So you've gone into a site at Odsall with a club, with reserve grade, with Rimmons Rugby League, with all the academy junior development and first grade side, and it's fallen over four times before. So I think to try and replicate all that again and expect a different result might have been a little ambitious. Yeah. Is well, there a common thread, Damien, between all well, the failed ownership? Well, some would say Oddsall is. Yeah. Um, I, I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. Mm. Um, I think the brand of Bulls is one of its biggest hindrances. Yes. Whenever you've got a mega brand who no longer has the money, yeah. um, the expectation on fans, supporters, the community, everybody else in the game is you should keep acting at a level mm -hmm. and spending at a level. Right. I think at some stage you've got to say, we, we don't have much at the moment, so we're just going to be operate within our means. Now, a bit of pride around Bulls might have stopped that happening. Yeah. I think you've just got to say, look, it's okay to be broke and not have mm -hmm. a lot of money. A lot of clubs, we've talked about it already, yeah. this show, have, have done very good on what they've got. I think you've got to say, that's our status quo. Let's pull it all back in. Let's just run a good little rugby league club here. The brand will always be there and all of that. But, you know, don't drive a big car and live in a big house if you can't pay the mortgage and the lease payments. Well, it's a beautiful segue onto Newcastle because you've done things very differently and you're building the brand and, and moving up, trying to get into the championship. How's this year been for Newcastle? Started with a little bit of turmoil, I suppose, but it seems to be going quite well at the minute. Yeah, it has. It's it's been a it's been a good year. Um, we'd we'd love to finish outright winners, mm. but I think we were, as you mentioned, after after only two games of what is only a twenty game season, we were we were slightly behind everybody else. And we've put together a good run since then. We've still got, like I think every team in that division, the odd inconsistent game in us. Um, and what you know, we're we're just looking forward to the playoffs now. We've got a really interesting playoff series where. The other four teams that we'll come up against, hopefully, you know, Oldham, Hunslet, Workington and Doncaster, we've beaten them all once and we've lost to them all once. Mm -hmm. And I think most of the others have, have, have beaten each other once as well. So it's pretty compelling. I think it's going to be... It's Great gonna series. Be, it's going to be the closest series, I think, out of any of the three top divisions. Um, we've got Doncaster this weekend and actually, from a personal opinion, mm -hmm. I think they're the most dangerous team that we'll come up against. We had two really close, high-quality games against them this year. So I think whoever comes out of that game, um, admittedly Oldham are, are in the, in the mm -hmm. pole position, but I think whoever comes out of that game this weekend gives themselves a great chance of, uh, of having a shot at promotion. I remember being on the show with you about a year ago and we were talking about player production and, and building schools and everything yeah. like that. How has that continued over the last 12 months? Has it gone according to plan? Yeah, it has. It's, it's, it's carried on now. So we've got 13 uh, community clubs in the region. Mm -hmm. We, you know, that, That's gone up since last year. What we now need to do is add a bit of depth to all those community clubs because some of them are still one, one team. So mm -hmm. they're not really a club, they're a team, but they represent an area, they represent a town. So that, that's important to us. Uh, we will get our 14th next month with the first amateur club in Newcastle, the Newcastle Magpies. No idea where that name came I, from. I was yeah. just wondering. Yeah. Played in black and white stripes, so they, <laughs> they start next month. And 
but we're also looking to build on on sort of wheelchair rugby league as well mm. and we want a women's super league team one day so lots of effort going into that we, we're currently at sort of one and three quarter community offices mm -hmm. we're going to increase that to four because we've in got a how, huge in what period of time uh pretty much straight away wow that's um, massive you know yeah. so we, we've got we've got two year build up now to the rugby league world cup kicking off in newcastle kingston park has got three additional games which unfortunately couldn't take place at Workington. So there's never been a better time for the sport to grow in our region. You know, it's, it's going to, media interest is going to be a high spectator interest and we've got to capitalise on it. How have the crowds gone this year? Crowds have gone well, so we're, we're averaging, I think it's just either side of a thousand. Okay. Um, a lot of it is based on, on our community work. So we regularly hold festivals before match days. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had physical disability rugby league on there, masters rugby league, girls rugby league, and, and a lot of boys in junior rugby league. Mm -hmm. So. For us, it's about just getting as many people as possible to come and experience Kingston Park. Mm -hmm. A great way to do that is for them to play on, on our surface, which is 3G. That's one of yeah. the other advantages of having an artificial surface. And then they stay on for the game. And, uh, and it, it's a good match day, we, we, we think it is. But now we need it to grow. And the, the, the best and, and, and perhaps most obvious way for it to grow is to get promoted and you know have the likes of hopefully Bradford coming there and mm -hmm. Lee. And, and you know, crowds that have been at eight, nine hundred, all of a sudden go to two to three thousand. If you weren't to go up, um, I think you are the favourites in many people's eyes. But if you weren't, would that change the time frame? Would that change things at the club at all? Because I think you said last year that you were hoping to go up this year. If if that wasn't to happen, would anything change? Uh, I, don't, I don't think anything fundamentally would change. Now we've, we've signed most of our squad for next year. Um, we've still got quite a few announcements to make. We obviously want that squad to be in the championship, but mm -hmm. we're, we're not short term, we're long term. We, we've got a stated aim. I, it's, a, it's a personal stated aim. I want to win Super League by 2030 with a mm -hmm. Newcastle team. Now, it's a pretty bold claim because most of Super League hasn't won Super League yet. Great and, ambition. And, and there'll be people yeah. within Hull and, and, and Warrington and, and the like going, well, who do these guys think they are saying they're going to mm -hmm. win Super League before us? Well, you know, to, to be a successful organisation, there's lots of component parts. And don't get me wrong, we've still got to put lots of those in place. But we think we've got really solid foundations. Mm -hmm. We've got a great stadium. You know, perhaps the one thing that's hindering Bradford and one or two other clubs is the stadium. We've got a great stadium that gives us a really good commercial return. Mm -hmm. We've got junior development that is growing year on year and, and will continue to grow. We've got a good academy side. And I think most importantly of all now, we've got a, an excellent coaching structure in mm -hmm. place in Dennis as director of rugby, who is as good a recruiter as I have seen. Mm -hmm. uh, and we think one of the best young coaches in the entire game in Simon Finnegan. So lots of things in place. Don't get me wrong, loads more to still put in place, mm -hmm. but uh, there's a definite plan, there's a definite path we're on. And, and you know, we, we, we think that will take us to our ultimate aim in around about 10, 11 years' time. Exciting times ahead. We've only got two minutes to talk about the championship playoffs. Uh, we know the lineup. Toronto are top, they will be, well in many people's eyes, the favourites. We don't need to talk about that. I mean, Ron, is there anyone who can stop them? There's no London Broncos this year. Ah, no, but they, they did show the way though, didn't they? they did. And I think that would give the likes of Toulouse, maybe Featherstone and Lee, a lot of heart. About York. And York, yeah. Mm. York are an interesting one because they're uh, still part-time, but whoever, who knows, anything can happen. What this demonstrates to me is a compelling argument for 14-team Super League. Uh, if you get that, then you create opportunity. Because mm -hmm. Super League at the moment is, is both survival and opportunity in the bottom half of the table. And more teams like Newcastle Thunder, like Toulouse, can sh follow in London's footsteps and create that opportunity. And that just creates ambition for everybody. What are we thinking, gents? 
couldn't, I, couldn't. I can't see. I think you know the bridesmaids last year. I think I think they they're going to go on with it, and I can see Toronto being unstoppable. Yeah, same as the guys. Toronto, I think home advantage is huge. Yeah. I think they'll learn so much from last year, and I actually think they've got a better squad than last year. We've got 50 seconds, well, 30 seconds really. So, Damien, just a shout out to York, because mm. of all the clubs, for them to finish third with a budget they've had coming up, that's phenomenal, isn't it? It is a wonderful place to watch rugby league and a great growth area for the game. And, and, and John and, and James deserve great credit for everything they've done up there. And um, I think they're like Newcastle, a club we all, you know, the rest of the game really admires and likes to see succeed. And that's all we've got time for on this week's show. A big thanks to Ron, Damien and Mick. Don't forget, you can join the conversation too on Twitter at RLBatchat. But for now, goodbye. Rugby League Backchat is sponsored by TotalRL.com.